Love Talk Radio. Welcome in, everybody, to the Cubbies Kib broadcast. This is your host, Alex Pat. Unfortunately, Jake Meisner cannot be here this evening. So instead, we will have our good friend, Adam McGinnis. He is a writer here at Cubby's Crib, and he is joining us at the Cubby's Crib show, Climbing the Ivy. Uh, Adam, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad to be filling in for our fearless leader, Jake. Well, we're glad to have you, and it's good that we can rely on you to come on in. So we have a number of topics to talk about tonight. There are a lot of happenings going on in spring training right now. Uh, We weren't on the air last week, so for that reason, uh, we'll have a bit more to talk about this evening. Uh, Cubs are actually playing right now. They're in a slugfest with the Indians, uh, so that'll be kind of fun to keep track of while we're doing the show. But let's get down to business. Adam, the first thing I want to talk about was you Darvish's debut as a Cub, Cactus League, that is. And he went two innings and walked two guys, two wild pitches, no hits in 4Ks. What was kind of your first takeaway from the performance? And where do you think there needed to be some improvements or any thoughts whatsoever? Uh, All in all, I was satisfied with it. Um, I know some people are probably concerned with the walks and the wild pitches, but stats aren't particularly important to me in the spring. I really just care about whether or not these guys look like they're comfortable and if they're finding a groove. You know, this is a time to work out kinks, and I think he looked comfortable out there. I thought it was a good uh, a good first start for him. Yeah, you, you know, it, at this time of spring training, your first start, you kind of expect a little rust, and I think the best thing about his start was that he was able to regain himself after some wildness, some wild pitches, some walks. He was able to really lock it down, and he got some Ks with the high heat. He was hitting 95 on the gun. Uh, Were you satisfied with the velocity we saw? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was really really happy to see that because he missed 2015, obviously, with Tommy John surgery. And 2016 was actually the fastest he's ever – averaged on his fastball at 94.9. So he hasn't lost any velocity at all, which is really encouraging. And I think it's also important to keep in mind, too, that uh, apparently Darvish was uh, holding back just a little bit to be uh, extra cautious about not hitting any of his former teammates. Hey, he's a classy guy. He really is. And I thought it was kind of neat that his first start as a Cub, even though it's just spring training, was against his former team. It's it's always kind of interesting to see things like that. But, yeah, I mean, overall, cool. I was satisfied with what he did. 95 miles an hour, as mentioned, got a few strikeouts. Um, it was kind of cool seeing his last strikeout was like an off-speed pitch. Did you get a chance to see the video of that? I did not get a chance to see it, but I've read a lot about it. Um, apparently, he was down as low as 73 miles per hour. So from 73 to 95, that's really good uh, mix of speeds there to keep hitters on their toes. 
Yeah, for sure. And if you watch the footage, it was on the Cubs Twitter. It's not like a traditional TV footage. It's from behind the plate, but you could just tell that there was a lot of movement on that pitch. It kind of started in towards the batter and then worked its way back into the strike zone. And like you said, going from low 70s to mid 90s, and seeing the changing of speeds right there is always a really good thing to see. And to see him do it well early on in that second inning where his command looked a lot better, it, it was a promising sign. And I know you can't really always take a lot of stock into spring training this early on, but you look for the small things that impress you. It's something that they can build upon. So, I mean, that pretty yeah, much absolutely. covers it for – Yeah, so that pretty much covers it for Darvish's first start. And I kind of wanted to get into some other notable performances. And the one I wanted to start with was Ian Happ. He has been tearing it up in the leadoff spot. Uh, What are your kind of basic thoughts on Ian Happ so far? I am the president of the Ian Happ fan club. I am a big believer in this guy. I think he's going to have a major breakout year with the Cubs. And again, I'm not too concerned with spring training stats, but it's obvious it's not a bad thing that he's tearing it up. He's, Eight for 17 so far. He's got four home runs, two from the right side of the plate, two from the left. And that really, I think, helps his leadoff case. Yeah, it certainly does, because leadoff is going to be kind of a tricky one this year. Uh, It was tricky last year, too. But this year, you want to see as much promise from potential leadoff guys as you'd like. And Ian Happ has shown a nice combination of power, a little better discipline. He's drawn a few walks. Obviously, I think the biggest concern with him, even though he can tear the cover off the ball, is the strikeouts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's going to be his biggest thing this year. He's going to have to work on his patience and his approach a little bit. But based on everything I've seen in spring training and his numbers from last year, I think he's really going places. I mean, if if his rookie year is his floor, then he's already a good, solid major league player. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that when you look at Ian Happ this year and beyond, potentially, what makes him so valuable is that he's another platoon slash utility man. So you can put him in many different places. Utility man more than a platoon. Platoon is more specified area, but he can play center field, right field, you can play in the infield, and having that versatility, A, Joe Madden loves it, and B, your first original utility man that you had on this core really was Ben Zobrist when you brought him over, and it's kind of nice to see maybe the next Ben Zobrist that probably has a bit more power step up. You would agree that's probably a good way of putting it, right? Yeah, and I don't know that he'll necessarily – be a Ben Zobris type guy for his whole career. I've always kind of been of the opinion that having half Addison Russell and Baez is maybe a bit problematic for the Cubs. I know you like to have that kind of depth, but I, I could just see uh, half being a primary second baseman. I think he's better defensively there than he is in the outfield, even though I've heard he's improved his outfield defense, but I would not be surprised to see someone like Addison Russell get traded because you've got Al Mora in, in the mix too here. And the way he's played last year, I think it's time for him to get a shot too. And if half is a regular starter, then there's really nowhere to put Al Mora unless you move one of these guys. 
Yeah, exactly. And El Mora's been kind of one of the original centerpieces of this rebuild. And we've seen the improvement from him, including last year in the second half. He was tearing the cover off the ball. And I know it's spring training, but this evening, I don't know if you saw that home run he hit tonight, but it was a bomb. No, I have not. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. It's it's pretty awesome. For those of you who didn't see it, he must have hit it to like the back of the berm in that Cleveland stadium down there in Arizona. It was it was quite a shot. But yeah, Ian Happ is important, as is Almora. What other performances so far this spring have you been kind of wowed by or impressed by or just, just kind of pleased by? Oh, the John Lester bounce pass, man. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, the Jordan <laughs> I know that, Pippen, that's yes. Every Cubs fan's favorite topic is talking about uh, John Lester's inability to throw to first normally. I know it irritates everyone, but it's funny to me. I get a kick out of it every time. Well, you know, he finds these creative ways to throw to first, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's never cost the Cubs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few times where it's sort of burned them, but overall, in the grand scheme of things, it's really been a non-factor. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is just that it's kind of funny, really. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you're imitating Jordan Pippen in a baseball game, throwing from the pitcher's mound to first, it definitely is uh, entertaining nonetheless. It's a very weird thing that he has, but, I mean, he does everything else so well, I just kind of let it go. I, I don't know. Well, and here's the other thing about that. Wilson Contreras is a big factor in that as well. I think hitters would be more uh, prone to take advantage of his yips if Wilson Contreras wasn't the elite defensive catcher that he is. But because he's got such a gun back there behind the plate, he can get you if you're sleeping at first base. Yeah, and not only him, when David Ross was there all those years, he could throw you out too. Yeah, the Cubs have been pretty lucky in that regard. They've got they've got uh, good enough catchers that it's not really a problem with Lester. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. And another point that someone I heard make was very interesting was the fact that, and I wrote about this in a recent article too, they were talking about the whole idea of toying with Lester on the bases. Well, if you do that a lot, then you're going to irritate the heck out of your own batters. So, you know, keep that in mind as well. You're absolutely right. When you have good defensive catchers behind the plate, that really does make a difference. And, I mean, Wilson Contreras told them to throw to first to pick off Tommy Pham. I can't really quote what he said because it's not really radio appropriate. But if you're a Cubs <laughs> fan, you, pro- yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can just hear Wilson saying what he said at the convention right now. So, good <laughs> stuff. Okay, so anyone else that you would like to – make a note of that caught your eye spring training so far? No, I think, uh, I think Darvish has really been the, uh, the focus, the main focus for everyone. Um, you know, a lot of these guys playing in spring training, to be honest, to put it bluntly, I'm just not that interested because they're, uh, <laughs> they're probably not going to be skin around for the long yeah, run. I mean, yeah, it's like David Bodie has been looking really good. Although, he might be one of those guys you might see in the big leagues come September. He might be a Mark Zagunis-like guy, maybe a little less, but I did an article on him, and he's got some pretty good minor league numbers. I don't know if he had a chance to read it, but uh, any thoughts on that? 
No, take it away. I've I've not I've not brushed up on that. Yeah, I, like he's he's got some really uh, solid numbers in AAA, even though the sample size is relatively small. Uh, he's got some good AA numbers, had a really good 2016. Uh, he's very versatile as well. So, you know, maybe he'll he'll get a, a, a spot there, um, a call-up. I don't know, maybe someone gets injured, uh, September call, something. I, I could see him maybe getting a few at-bats in the majors this year. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, could be. This is the first year in a few years that for the last few years there's been at least one guy in the Cubs farm system that everyone anticipated being called up. And I really don't know if there is that guy this year. I think they've pretty much got their roster the way they want it. I don't think you're going to see a major call-up this year. Yeah, probably not. I think um, the things that people are anticipating the most would probably be some of those arms that we saw a little bit of it last year, like a Maples or a Sang. But even so, that doesn't really compare to last year when they called Ian Happ the year before right. when they called the Balmora and all the years of all the other guys. So, yeah, I could definitely agree with that. It'll be nothing huge like before. Um, so before we move on to the next topic, I think I wanted to bring just a little bit of attention to Chris Jimenez because he's had a really nice spring. He's been driving in runs. He's been getting hits. Um, this is kind of a tough subject because – I don't know if the Cubs are going to start with three catchers. And I think that it's important to have a veteran on your squad like Jimenez. But you also realize that if you want to develop Victor Caratini, you need to get him some at-bats. So how do you think the Cubs are going to approach that? Yeah, that's kind of a tough situation. Uh, Victor Caratini is kind of at the point where he's almost too good to be relegated to a bench role. And I really wouldn't mind seeing the Cubs trade him at some point because I think he does have a lot of value. But, yeah, getting him some major league experience, some more major league experience could only help to improve his stock. But uh, at the same time, we've seen the Cubs go with three catchers before. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worked before, no doubt. I just think it's going to depend on how the rest of the roster is going to lay itself out. There are just a few questions on the bottom there, whether some arms may be up or not, or who can be like the last outfielder if they have Peter Borges up or not. So, you know, there's a little debate there. Um, So moving on, I actually wanted to talk about something you brought up today and that was Chris Coglin, and you brought this idea up on Twitter and it got a lot of attention. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, bring him back. Give him a one-year minor league deal. What have you got to lose? Uh, Looking at Coglin's numbers, he was a rookie of the year. I don't know if a lot of people remember that or not, but he kind of fizzled out after that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he had a monster rookie year, and then he wasn't uh, quite that player in the, the following years with the Marlins. But when he was with the Cubs, he really was pretty good. I mean, he hit for a decent average, got on base at a good clip. He has some good power. And if you look at all of his major league seasons, his best years are with the Cubs. And he started 2016 with Oakland, and he was awful. And then they designated him for assignment. Cubs picked him up, and he was playing well with them again. So I really 
I don't see the harm in giving him a chance. At the very least, he gives you some depth if it works out. If it doesn't work out, you've lost nothing. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I would totally be down for a minor league deal. And, I mean, look how value he was as a Cub, even in 2014. When he was a Cub in 2014, the last year of being bad, so to speak, a lot of us fans, we liked watching him, and he had some really big games, especially that one against the Dodgers he had where he just went off and they had an epic comeback win. But, yeah, even when they brought him back in 2016, good on base percentage, he was productive in his role. I definitely agree because I don't know if it was you who said it or somebody in your Twitter thread. If like a key outfielder gets hurt and you need to go to the minors, you either choose like a Mark Zagunis who has some promise, but hasn't really proved himself in the majors quite yet or Peter Borges. I I don't know if that's really a better option than Coglin. What's the difference between Peter Borges and Chris Coglin at this point? Does it really matter? I don't think it does. And I don't know if it was the coaching or if it was the environment, but there obviously there was something about the Cubs that, that made Chris Coughlin play at a higher level. And I'm a firm believer that team chemistry can play a big role. And so, yeah, I don't see the harm in bringing him back. I'm all for it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. So, you know, maybe maybe they do at some point. They, they've done it before with him, and, you know, maybe they will again. Uh, so... I, I hope so. I, I like him a lot. Like you said, I'd be totally down for that. So moving yeah. forward, um, I want to talk about Jason Hayward. We were saying yeah. earlier, again, spring, yada, yada, important or not. But so far this spring, watching Hayward, seeing what I saw from him, seeing his results, it just, doesn't seem like anything's changed with him since he came to the Cubs. What do you think? No. Um, Some people have said that his swing looks a little bit different, but we've heard that every year now, that he's got a new revamped swing. He's coming into the year with a new attitude, and that's all good and fine. But the bottom line is I'll believe it when I see it because we've been through this before. And I just don't think that Jason Hayward, I don't think we can expect him to be the player he was with St. Louis in 2015. Yeah, I mean, when I got, like, the notification that Chili Davis was going to be their new hitting coach, I said, oh, that's great. That'll help Schwarber with the Ks. That'll help multiple guys with the Ks. And maybe that'll help Jason Hayward get back on track. So I was optimistic at first, but kind of after seeing what I've been seeing, I just I just don't know. We know what we're going to get from him defensively. He's going to be one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball. He's going to be there late in the innings, no matter what, for defensive reasons. Uh, still got the great arm, all that good stuff. But it's it's frustrating because when we brought Jason Hayward on, we kind of expected the full package. Not so much power, but good on base ability, good base running, which he still has when he does get on base. But, you know, we haven't seen the spectacular hitting. And last year, in all hindsight, his batting numbers were average. He was around a 320 on base, around a, a 260 batting average. I mean, those are average numbers right there. It, not for what we're paying for, but, you know, it, it's better than right. 2016. So would it be fair to say that you just kind of expect his hitting at best to be average? Yeah, I think that's 
I think that's the the best way to put it. Um, you can't expect to get more than league average from him at this point, but his defense still makes him a really valuable player. The Cubs have. Absolutely. If it was another team, maybe you would worry more, but the Cubs have enough power and dependability in that lineup that they can deal with Jason Hayward not being the all-star that he was beforehand. Um, I could see some improvement, though. I don't think that's unprecedented. Uh, His OPS improved. His strikeouts went down, mind you, in a slightly smaller sample size. But uh, by most marks, he improved a little bit last year from 2016. And so I think he could improve this year, too. Yeah, and I certainly hope that he could just break out and have a great season. I just wouldn't necessarily put a lot of money on it. But I definitely think that he is a good enough ball player with good enough instincts to have the possibility to do that. Um, What I think is really interesting to look at from last year is, do you remember when, like, they had a – they were talking about his swing change. It looked like Rizzo. And then, like, wow – he was hitting the ball really well in the first two months. And then things kind of started to trend back in 2016. And then things got a little better at the end. If you look at the monthly splits. So, you know, take that as you will. Um, I mean, you remember how good he looked in the, in the first few months, right? He was hitting the ball hard. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there was less pressure on him last year and I think there'll be less pressure on him this year too. And that will help a little bit, but really I think we're just going to have to accept the fact that we're probably not going to get much more than a league average bat at this point, but the defense is still going to be elite, and that's huge. That's important. I mean, how often last year did we see him make a diving catch in right field or throw a gun to home plate? I mean, those things play a huge role in some of these close games. You can't, it can't be understated the value of defense like that. Absolutely. It appears we have a, another uh, person calling in. Uh, hello, you're on the air. How's it going? Good. How about you? Not too bad. Is there something What's you'd like name, to share son? with us? What's that? Is there hello? something you'd like to talk about? Not really, just... Uh... Kind of putting some input in on a great show that you guys have here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to t- tune in and uh, listen to it. I mean, it's, it, I've been following Adam for here several years now with his Cubs talk. And <laughs> bringing him on on the show, is just, it's been a great, great to listen to. Yeah, definitely. He uh, brings a lot of good insight here for sure. Yep. So you just kind of along here for the ride then? Yep, just saw it on Twitter and thought I'd tune in and tell you guys the great show you have, and I enjoy listening to it. So, Well, thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks for calling. Yep. Take care. Nope. Yep, you too. All Thanks right, you. bye-bye. Okay, so um, I think that pretty much covers Hayward. Uh, so we'll go a little off Cubs, but kind of Cubs. Um Really quickly, though, just updating the spring game. Kyle Schwarber just hit a monster home run, so woohoo, awesome. Uh, you don't get uh, the the game down by where are you, right, Adam? 
you're kind of out of that jurisdiction? Yeah, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, unfortunately. Um, I get the MLB TV package, though, so when regular season rolls around, I uh, I keep up. Yep, cool. That sounds like fun, but, hey, that, that package does sound pretty cool. Anyway, uh, back to what we were talking about. I wanted to go to Jake Arrieta, and like I said, it's baseball. It's kind of Cubs. Yeah. So I figured we'll we'll throw it out there. There's been rumors about talking with the Phillies, and we don't really know exactly where they are with that, if they really got anywhere. That was just kind of the latest update. But it sounds pretty clear that Boris is waiting to hold his client as long as he can to get a deal that suits him, so to speak. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, if he has to end up in the NL, I would prefer the Phillies. I'd really hate to see him in the NL Central with the Brewers or the Cardinals. I don't think that him joining either of those teams would make them better than the Cubs, but uh, I'd really like to see him end up in the AL. Uh, it, it looks like the writing is on the wall for him. I think he's if he wants to play this year, he's probably going to have to take a short-term deal. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. Um, He's not going to get the deal that uh, everyone thought he was going to get or that Boris wants him to get. I think that there's going to be kind of like maybe a war between like two and four years at the very most, but I see something close to maybe three. Um, Again, really hard to predict. So we'll kind of see how that works out. And I definitely agree. I hope he goes to the Phillies. Uh, like not the Cardinals or the Brewers or I mean, those are the, really the only suitors that would be possible. Cause I don't think the pirates would go after him. I don't think the reds are going to go no. after him. So yeah. And they haven't even expressed that much interest in him anyway. It seems like the Phillies and the nationals right now are the biggest possible destinations for him, but we'll see how that all plays out. Um, yeah. there, there's still a lot of, free agents on the market right now. Um, Obviously the Cubs are done and the hopes of bringing Arietta back. I mean, there's, it's just not going to happen. It's probably time for people to let go of that. Yeah. I know some people have suggested that based on the situation, they give them a one year deal, but I really just don't see how that makes sense from the Cubs perspective. I'm looking at their rotation. I really don't see anyone that I would want to push out for Arietta. Yeah, I think if it would be anyone, it would have been Tyler Chatwood, but he's pretty clear that he's your fifth starter, and you would probably have to go to a six-man rotation. That's just not going to happen. No, and you gave Tyler Chatwood a three-year, $38 million deal, so you're not going to immediately shove him out of the rotation for Arietta at this point. I think you've got to stick with him, and I would be in favor of doing that anyway. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting that somebody brought up was, is there a possibility that Jake Arrieta would sit out until the all take and then sign with a contender? I mean, I think that would be pretty foolish, but um, I mean, at this, at this point, I don't know when the heck he's going to sign. It's anyone's guess what happens. It's been a crazy off season. Nothing would surprise me. And yeah, that's been suggested, but I think that would be a mistake on his part. And I think it's already not, 
uh, not a good thing for him to wait this long to find a team because he's not going to have as much time before the season to work out his kinks. And you know, I just don't see him hopping in with a team in the middle of the season and picking up where he left off last year. It's just not going to happen. Those first five, six starts could be pretty rough. And if that's the case, then you, you, I mean, you signed him to, to uh, pick up the slack. And I just don't think that would be a smart move for him. Yeah, absolutely. It just, ugh, it would be really, really yucky. Um, it's an unfortunate situation, but I think he's just got to take what he can get at this point. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. It's you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get. And a lot of teams aren't racing out because they realize there's a risk factor with the drop in velocity, uh, the increase in walks, the increase in home runs, even though everyone increased in home runs. But, yeah, it's just you got to take what you're going to get or you're going to be sitting around without a job. But going to the rest of baseball, uh, there were some talks about some other uh, potential ex-NL Central starting pitchers. Lance Lynn apparently turned down a two-year, $20 million offer from the Twins. Would you say he's worth that? I would say he's probably worth more than that. Um, I think that's a little bit of a low offer. I mean, the Twins are kind of notorious for low-balling free agents anyway. Yeah. Um, But, look, Lance Lynn is 30 years old, and he's not an ace. He's probably a two or three, but he's in the top tier of those uh, middle rotation guys. Um, And I think he would help the Twins out a lot. I really am wondering why they didn't offer him more, because apparently they were in on Hugh Darvish for a long time and reportedly were interested in Arietta for a while too. And those two guys, I mean, Darvish obviously got a lot of money. Arietta's going to get more than $20 million. So the Twins obviously have the money. Um, But, yeah, I'd say Lance Lynn is worth a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think that it would be more fair to offer him three years somewhere in the $40 million ballpark. I think the one concern with him is that his year last year, after his Tommy John, his ERA looked good, but his FIP was nearly five, and he got a lot of hard hit outs, and I think that's a concern. But you look at his track record before his Tommy John, he was really, really good. A very underrated starter. Wouldn't you agree? I would absolutely agree with that. He's been one of the more underrated starters in baseball for a few years now. But, yeah, uh, he's not without risk. Yeah, um, but the Twins need to do something. Uh, they need to get a Cobb or a Lynn if they want to contend because they they have a nice position core, but they're going to need a Cobb or a Lynn to contend. And speaking of Alex Cobb, there are so many places that he could potentially go but, like, you're, you're not seeing much budging with him. There are so many places that could use him. No, yeah, and I think Alex Cobb is a riskier bet than Lance Lynn. Uh, his numbers suggest that his ERA could have easily been a run higher than it was. But, yeah, I think, again, the Twins would be a really good fit for him. I think the Twins are closer to the Indians than some people realize, and it, I don't think they're going to win that division, but I do think they could very easily lock up one of those wild card spots again. And if that's the case, then they're going to want to improve that rotation a little bit. There's three guys left on the market that could help out your rotation. I don't know why they wouldn't sign one of them. 
Yeah, I agree. Definitely. We have another caller here. Two callers tonight. Hello, caller. You are on the air. Is it me? Oh, hey. What's going on? Hey, Alex. It's uh, it's your former uh, CUC buddy. How's it going, man? Hey, Kevin Powell, ladies and gentlemen, former broadcasting <laughs> guy I used to work with. Uh, Adam, got to introduce you to Kevin. Kevin, Adam, uh, say hello over the airwaves. Hey, nice hello to meet you over the, the airwaves. So, uh, Kevin, what's on your mind, man? Not much, man. I hear you guys talking about the whole Jake Arrieta thing and the whole Scott Boris thing. To me, like, the the feel is, in in my opinion here, all the way in Alaska, is that uh, there's a lot of collusion, I feel like, going on against Boris because he's always holding out. And it seems like his guys are getting uh, the biggest deals. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Hosmer signed big, but... Every other Boris guy that he promised was going to get a huge deal really hasn't gotten anything so far this off season. Am I right, or am I missing someone besides Hosmer? I can't think You're of anyone right. else. Can you? You're right. Um, I wouldn't necessarily agree that it's collusion. I mean, I can't say one way or another if it is, but I think a lot of it has to do with a really stacked free agent class next year. Guys like Manny Machado. Uh, Bryce oh, Harper, potentially Clayton Kershaw. I think that a lot of it could be these teams holding out and uh, saving their money for those guys. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, again, going back to the Arietta thing, in, all, in my opinion, yeah, like the Phillies would be probably the number one choice as a Cubs fan for, for Arietta to go to. He's definitely not going to do a Dexter Fowler thing from a few years ago. But in all honesty, I think I'd rather have him on the Brewers than a team, say, like the Washington Nationals, who took the Cubs to the brink. And that one extra starter behind Scherzer and Strasburg, yeah. I, that would be unreal in, say, a five-game That's a fair series. point. That's a fair yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, like compare, like you say, Arietta goes to the Brewers, then it's Jimmy Nelson and Chase Anderson – compared to Scherzer, Strasburg, and Arietta, I don't think even like – I don't think the 27 Yankees will want to face those three. I know that's deadly right there. That is absolutely deadly. Yeah. And that's kind of the second most rumored place next to Philly where Arietta would go. Obviously, there were some early talks about them going after Arietta um, right after Darvish was off the market and that they might have been still shopping, but – yeah, I mean, the Washington Nationals have been talked about a lot. Um, so, I don't, I don't know where he's going to go and when exactly, but for his sake, I hope it's as soon as possible because I don't want to see him just kind of rot away for half a season. That just that wouldn't be cool. Um, so, uh, Kevin, do you have uh, any more thoughts you want to share with us? Um, man, that's about it, man. I, I First time I've listened to you guys. I enjoy it. Alex, good to see you still in the game. I've really enjoyed, like, talking to you on Twitter. It's about time we actually, like, actually talked again. It's been quite a while, man. It's been, it's been good. Yeah, it really has. Well, Kevin, my good man, thanks for calling, and uh, hope you have a good night. No problem, guys. Take it easy. Take care, my man. That was the legendary Kevin Powell of CUC, my alma mater. So, uh... <laughs> Absolute legend. We have about nine minutes left in the show. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to address Cubs-wise? Uh, because one thing that people were talking about 
uh, a lot was the rotation. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit really quick. Uh, I don't know if you had any other thoughts, but just to kind of get this in really fast. Since we did our last show, the Cubs rotation was set. It's going to be Lester. It's going to be Hendricks followed by him. Then in the middle, you're going to have Darvish, then Quintana, then Chatwood. Adam, good? Not so good? What are your opinions on the order? I'm all in on that. Madden was best. He he took him to a World Series, so I'm not going to doubt his his baseball IQ. Um, I think with Lester being the ace, I think it's more of a respect thing, like Jake mentioned before. Uh, I think you Darvish is probably the real ace of this team, but I have really high hopes for this rotation. I think they've got a lot of potential. Yeah, me too. And I think one of the most exciting things is that Jose Quintana, who is like a number two in most rotations, maybe even a number one is going to be your number four. That just goes to show how much depth this rotation has. And yeah, what's great lot, is that for sure. Yeah. And what's great is that nobody has a problem with it on the Cubs. They're like, just slot me anywhere. I'll do what I have to do. Yeah, exactly. They've always had a good clubhouse mentality. Um, you look uh, across to the south side, on the other hand, and on their depth chart, they've currently got James Shield listed as their number one pitcher. So that also tells you a lot about where they're going this year. Yeah, with the White Sox, it's going to be a lot of focus on all their young guys and developing their young talent. And that rotation currently has a couple key guys for the future. It's got Carson Fulmer. It's got Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, It will have eventually Carlos Rodon if he ever gets healthy. But, I mean, yeah, it goes to show the difference between a rebuilding rotation and an established rotation like we have now. I was tweeting the other day about comparing the rotation on opening day for the Cubs in 2013 compared to now. It's all completely different, and it's all guys that could be considered elite. And I'm also including Tyler Chatwood because, yeah, he struggled in Colorado, but since 2013, his road ERA is 2.77. On top of that, his movement has been called elite by professional scouts. Uh, Do you have high hopes for Tyler Chatwood? Yeah, I do. And I think that getting out of Colorado is the best thing for any pitcher to do. And I like the Rockies a lot, but it's pretty much proven at this point. It's harder to pitch in Colorado. Um, So I think this is going to be good for him. I really am excited to see what he can do. Yeah, definitely. And he hasn't pitched a whole lot at Wrigley Field. Fun fact, I was at both starts he made at Wrigley Field the last two years, and he absolutely owned the Cubs. He had the sinker working. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if I just go to all the Chatwood starts, he'll dominate. I mean, his command looks pretty good. Yeah, you're obligated to do so now. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I get myself into. But, uh, hey, if it's it's best for the team, I'll uh, I'll spend a pretty penny because they're going to cost a pretty penny this year. I don't know if you looked at the ticket price. I'm happy to throw you under the bus if it doesn't work out. Yeah, that's that, that's cool. I mean, you and I tend to throw each other under buses quite often. I mean, you know, it's just kind of the way we do things around here. You know, Adam calls me a plebe. I call him a knob. That's just the way things work around here. But, yeah, it's, it's now my duty to see it. And one thing that I thought was awesome about Tyler Chatwood when I saw him pitch, looking back at it, is that 
he will just attack you with different pitches and different counts. And he'll throw the curveball in there that is great movement. He'll throw the sinker that has great movement. And it's got decent velocity, too, on it. And when you're not in Colorado and you're at Wrigley Field and you can really make those things just move, when you make that sinker just move, it can do great things. But the biggest issue that's going to have to be addressed and worked on is that just the command's got to be better. But I think with a guy like Jim Hickey, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of room for optimism for Tyler Chatwood. If you look at his his, uh, career statistics, his fastball velocity has gone up almost every year. So he's still relatively young. Uh, I think there's, I think he can improve. Yeah, I think so too. And he's kind of entering his prime year, so to speak, age-wise. So we could be getting him at the best possible time. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, I would. I think he's as good as a number five starter as you can get right now. Absolutely. So speaking of rotation, uh, there's one more guy I wanted to talk a little more in depth about. And that's John Lester. We talked about his epic Jordan to Pippen move. Uh, that was pretty cool. But um, he's starting opening day again. And I know he had some struggles last year, but I think he's going to bounce back and be more like John Lester this year. And frankly, I don't think it matters that much who is starting the first game of the season because it's against the Marlins. Yeah, boy, the Cubs really lucked out with their uh, – who do they play, the Reds after the Marlins? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a good start. Um, it is. Yeah, Lester, his best days are behind him. He's not going to look like peak John Lester from here on out. But I think at the same time he could be better than he was last year. Um, he's not going to throw as hard as he used to. There may not be quite as much movement. But this guy is a seasoned veteran. He knows how to adapt on the fly, and he's – most importantly, he's a leader of that rotation. Yeah, definitely. And I think that he's still one of the guys that I would trust the most in a postseason series. I think he's just that important. He even showed last year in a struggling year, he pitched really, really well as kind of, you know, the, the John Lester of old. So two yeah, minutes he's left. Been known uh, for that throughout his career come up yeah, big in such moments like that. He just rises to the occasion. So really quickly, there was one more note on here that Jake left that he wanted to talk about. He just wanted to ask, will the Los Angeles Dodgers supplement the St. Louis Cardinals as their chief rival? Or has that happened already in recent postseason matchups? Quick thoughts on that. I'm, I'm selling that. I'm, I'm not buying into that. I just don't see it. I'm kind of with you there. I mean, they may be meeting in the postseason more, but the Cardinals and the Cubs are the Cardinals and the Cubs. You're just – nothing's going to replace that as a true rivalry. No, because that's not only one of the bigger rivalries in baseball, it's one of the most historic rivalries in sports, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Absolutely. I mean, the Bears could play the New Orleans Saints – in several playoff games, but they're not going to replace the Packers as the all-time rivals, if that's a good analogy for them. Yeah. Well, we are about out of time on this episode of the Cubby's Crib podcast. Uh, Adam, I want to thank you for coming in and filling in for Jake. I thought we had a real good show tonight. Yeah, I agree. It was nice partying with you. 
It was awesome parring with you, and I'm sure we will do it again soon. So uh, for everyone, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Thank you for listening to the Cubbies Cured podcast. We hope you could join us next time, and have a good evening. Stay classy, Chicago.